G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. As we do on a Tuesday, always good to get insights into what's happening in places around the world, especially the Middle East, and how they might impact on the nation of Israel. Ron Ross is back with us. Hello, Ron. Welcome back to 2020. And welcome back, Neil. Thank you very much, Ron. Uh, Always enjoy our catch-ups. And because they are uh, so significant to talk about the things that are going on in Israel and the Middle East because uh, there is connection there to the fulfillment of biblical prophecy. Let's talk about some of the headlines that have been in in the news overnight. Millions of Christians and Jews united in the annual Prayer for Jerusalem Peace on Sunday. What was the story there? Psalm 122 verse 6 says, Pray for the well-being of Jerusalem. May those who love you be at peace. And on Sunday, how would you like to attend a church with 500 million participants? That's how many participated in the day of prayer. Uh, 500 million from over 175 nations joined together in a unified day-long prayer for the peace of Jerusalem. Now, I've attended this event several times. The Reverend Robert Stearns, Executive Director of Eagle Wings, a global missional community based outside of Buffalo in New York, led the prayer from the Haas Promenade overlooking the old city of Jerusalem. From there, God TV broadcast the event to 300 million viewers in 192 nations. Every year, the Day of Prayer for the Peace of Jerusalem is observed on the first Sunday of October in churches and prayer ministries around the world, coordinated by Reverend Stearns and Dr. Jack Hayford, among others, over 1,400 key leaders within the evangelical Christian world give their active support. The event was also attended by members of the Knesset uh, and uh, Rabbi uh, Yehuda Glick and the director of the uh, Knesset Christian Allies Caucus, Joshua Reinstein, a good friend of mine, uh, a member of the Knesset Glick, expressed his gratitude for the prayers, saying this event is so moving for every one of us here in Jerusalem. Uh, member of the parliament, Ilitov, who runs the Knesset Christian Allies Caucus, emphasized the importance of the event in the light of the United Nations resolutions denying the historic connection to Jerusalem by Israel. He said the question of Jerusalem is a matter of truth. It's a biblical truth. We have to believe the Bible that says Jerusalem is the eternal, undivided capital of Israel. David uh, Nekrutman said, I would never have thought that a Christian would stand side by side with a Jew. He's the orthodox Jewish leader, as he stood alongside uh, Robert Stearns, and he said, this is a move of the Holy Spirit. This is something so historic, isn't it? And just to draw attention to this, Ron, that historically speaking, this call to the prayer for the peace of Jerusalem has been so necessary because Jerusalem is at the centre of all of 
those historic controversies and, of course, called in the Bible the burdensome stone. And uh, it reinforces, doesn't it, the need to continue to pray for the peace of Jerusalem because, in some sense, the peace of Jerusalem affects the peace of the whole world. You know, Robert Stearns is a well-known leader internationally, but I remember him singing the song Jerusalem uh, at the prayer meeting when I was there a couple of years ago. And I I remember it vividly. He's got an amazing voice. And it was a very moving moment as we stood alongside members of the Israeli parliament, members of the Knesset, uh, rabbis and others. And uh, it was a showstopper. It really uh, helped in relationships uh, between Christians and Jews and still does. Ron, let's talk about another one of those headlines. Thousands of tourists arriving in Jerusalem, ready for the annual Feast of Tabernacles. Starts on Friday. What is the Feast of Tabernacles all about? Oh, it's an ama- I'm teaching on it here uh, on the Sunshine Coast on Friday night. It, 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 another name for it is Sukkot. And uh, by now in Jerusalem, uh, Sukkah, as they're called, will be on scene uh, all over the city. Uh, the whole idea is the Jewish population uh, build these fragile structures to remember the wilderness journey of 40 years where they slept in tents and uh, were open to the elements. And the sukkah is designed in such a way as you see the stars through the roof, you experience the wind or the rain or whatever comes along, and uh, you give thanks to God uh, for your situation today. The modern adaptation for the festival is going up to Jerusalem uh, to celebrate. And uh, many of those people will come. There's over 6,000 already in Jerusalem from over 40 nations. It's a Christian celebration, the Feast of Tabernacles, organized by the International Christian Embassy in Jerusalem. And I remember when we were having trouble with Christian visas in Israel, a good friend of mine, Avi, who was... Uh, a member of the political party, but he was also a pharmacist. And I stood with him one day and I said, Avi, if you've got any influence, help us with the uh, visa problem Christians have, uh, because the International Christian Embassy may not have enough staff to run the Feast of Tabernacles. And he had a twinkle in his eye and he looked at me and he said, you will never cancel the Feast of Tabernacles. You Christians love us too much. (laughs) And I remember that vividly. uh, And it's it's a wonderful time to be in Jerusalem. It's uh, You are commanded to rejoice. That's the good thing. Well, there's thousands arriving for the Feast of Tabernacles, and no doubt many will stay on, and many more thousands will arrive for a very significant anniversary coming up on the 31st of October. And our Prime Minister, Malcolm Turnbull, and the New Zealand Prime Minister, Bill English, they'll visit Israel this month to honour the 100th anniversary of the Australian Light Horse and the charge on Beersheba. Uh, this is a significant time, Ron. Oh, it's it's awesome. And uh, I remember Ariel Sharon, when he was around, telling us that if he had a choice of any soldiers to go to battle, he would choose the Australians first. And when we asked him why, uh, he said, if the order is stupid, they ignore it. <laughs> uh, he said they didn't like saluting. Uh, he said, if you, you tell them to retain that particular mountain and they get bored, they'll take the next one. And uh, there is a great uh, honour to the Australian and New Zealand uh, Australian Light Horse. 
and we rem- remember Jed- General Edmund Allenby, who ousted the Ottoman forces from southern Israel in the final weeks of World War One. Dozens of Australian and New Zealand soldiers died, and dozens more were wounded in the battle. The incident is an important bookmark in the military history of both countries. Turnbull and English will headline an A-list of dignitaries to mark the anniversary with a memorial ceremony at the Commonwealth War Grave Cemetery in Besheva. And I've never been more moved than I was at that cemetery where you saw ages of young men, 14, 15, 16, who rigged their ages to get into the Australian Light Horse, but buried alongside 48-year-old officers. Uh, it's a very moving experience to be there, and uh, it will be one we talk about again this month. Mm. Uh, let's talk about something a little more broad, Middle East, uh, but also including young soldiers. Uh, Kabul, the Afghanistan uh, capital, has called on Tehran in Iran to stop sending Afghan children into the Syrian war. What's the headline saying here? Ahmed Shikab Mastani, the ministry spokesman, raised particular concern about Afghan children being deployed by the Islamic Revolutionary Guard to the Syrian battlefield. He alleged that a number of Afghan refugees in Iran are forced to commit actions that run counter to international norms. Mastani emphasized that the Afghan government is probing the case and has shared its concern with the UN Refugee Agency and Iranian government officials. Iranian officials claim that Afghan refugees volunteer to fight in Syria to defend sacred Shiite shrines in Damascus. But Mastani noted that recent reports by international organizations show that Afghans are forced to join the Syrian war, and I'm sure we're going to hear more about this. And on a final note here, Ron, a very interesting one because so many of us will be familiar with the children of Israel uh, spending 40 years in the wilderness but looking forward to a day when they'll enter a promised land, a land that flows with milk and honey. And now archaeology has some light to shed on the milk and honey. Beeswax was found at the bottom of the ancient beehives excavated at Tel Rehov in the Jordan Valley, and it's the oldest ever discovered. An Israeli archaeologist made a remarkable and rare discovery to ensure that all of Israel has a year as sweet as honey while helping understand the Bible just a little bit better. Hebrew University professor Amaha Mazar was exploring an archaeological dig at a site in the Jordan Valley called Tel Rehov when he found evidence of beekeeping from 3,000 years ago, the oldest evidence of that industry ever discovered. Beekeeping is not described in the Bible, and Israel is not especially suited for beekeeping, no more or less than any other place with flowers, Mazar said. But even today, if you go out to the fields in that region, there are hives in the field. Biblical scholars believe that when the Bible mentions honey, it usually referred to honey made from dates. Professor Mazar pointed to his discovery as evidence that the Bible could also mean honey from bees. Land flowing with milk and honey. 
Awesome. Well, Ron Ross, always so good getting your insights. Thanks so much for monitoring so closely the breaking news as it's happening around the world. Look forward to our catch-up again next, but thanks so much for being with us today on 2020. Thank you, Neil. Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported. Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.